Hi everyone, Steve Wilcox here. Let's jump right into our scripture for today, Matthew 25, verses 31 to 46, titled, The Sheep and the Goats. Verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Well, this is certainly a dramatic passage from Matthew. It follows a number of parables that Jesus describes what the kingdom of heaven will be like. This section is not necessarily a parable. Rather, it describes an actual event that is set in the future. It's more of a continuation of his teaching on the end of the world as we know it from Matthew 24. This passage is more of an illustration, really, using very common imagery of how a shepherd would separate his animals at times for shearing or going to the market, etc. The rest of the time, I'm sure the goats and the sheep would just wander the hillsides together. But this illustration is in keeping uh, with how Jesus taught many times before to his disciples and to the crowds, using this very uh, meaningful and relevant example from their daily lives. The event that Jesus describes is commonly called the judgment. This will be the event where all of mankind will be individually evaluated for our state of grace and then for our deeds. This judgment or great spiritual evaluation is a very foundational teaching of Christianity and references to it can be found throughout scripture, but it is especially talked about in the New Testament and in particular in Revelation. And if you're interested, check out Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15 uh, for more details. But starting in verse 31, we find that Jesus, or the Son of Man, or the King, is the judge. He is the sovereign, and he will make the ultimate determination about a person's future at this judgment. This fact should generate both a healthy fear 
and respect for the person of Jesus and his ultimate authority. The text describes that Jesus will come in glory and will have his angels by his side. He will sit in a position of this ultimate judgment, and he will divide those gathered there into two groups for the purpose of determining their relationship with him, and then, of course, judge their actions. From here, I want to take kind of a broad view of this passage and discuss three primary points. The first two points are hard-hitting scriptural truths. They're not necessarily comfortable for us, but again, I find the people that love us most are the ones who many times will deal with us directly and tell us the truth, even though we may not like it. The third point is what I consider to be the real point of the whole passage, and I think it's a great gift God has given us to make uh, certain things clear to us now. And if we let the lesson sink in, it will benefit us both in the here and now and in the hereafter. So point number one, sheep go to heaven and goats go to hell. The sheep are those people who have accepted Jesus and his work of redemption and have practiced obedience to his teachings. Sheep go to heaven and and receive eternal life. The goats are those people who did not receive or accept God's offer of redemption and were not obedient in living the lives God wanted them to live. Goats go to hell and experience eternal torment. Again, it's difficult in our culture today to hold a firm line on almost any viewpoint. All matter of tradition is being challenged left and right. Some for very good reasons. Some perhaps not so. While the reality of heaven and hell are clearly established in the scriptures, I have also lived long enough to see the results of sin, A, in my own heart, and also the effect it has on others. I believe that the scripture... Uh, is true when it says we need a Savior, that our actions will be judged, and that Jesus can save us from all of the effects of that. The reality of judgment and hell motivates me away from evil and pushes me into God's welcoming arms and the benefits of his kingdom and his forgiveness. So I just want to take a, a stop here for a moment and again say that if you have not clearly accepted Jesus and his offer of redemption. I strongly encourage you to make that decision today. You know, you can get in touch with Watermark, and we can help answer any questions you may have and confirm to you that God will accept you, forgive you, and will redeem you for a bright future. Okay, so point number two, how you live your life has benefits or consequences. Jesus makes the point to the sheep that they will be rewarded for the good deeds that they did to others. They seem to be kind of unaware of this. So Jesus makes the point that if you do a good deed for another person, it's the equivalent of doing it for him. And I'll restate that in verse 35. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The same rule applies to the goats, although in a negative sense. Each act of kindness or love that they ignored to help out another person is the equivalent of ignoring Jesus. Verse 42. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. 
I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. You know, if you look at the circumstances in each example, the needy, the sick, the unknown, the lonely, the hungry, the thirsty, those in bondage, etc., we have those people all around us today. Not much has changed. So we have uh, some great opportunities around us. But point three, treat everyone as if they are a little Jesus, asterisk, mostly. And I'll get to that. So this equivalency with Jesus, or as I just called it, the little Jesus principle, is so incredibly good for us to know now. Jesus clearly states that the actions we take toward others is the equivalent of how we are treating him, and it's being accounted for. This knowledge dramatically changes my responses and reactions to people and situations, at least it should. It keeps me loving, and it keeps me obedient to a much greater degree. And I feel that Jesus, in showing us this principle now, before the judgment, uh, has given us a great eternal kindness. Our job now is to integrate that lesson into our hearts, our minds, and our actions right now. So let's, let's look at a few examples, perhaps, of this principle. So let's say uh, you go to work and there's a new person at work or in your neighborhood. Nobody knows them. They're perhaps a bit socially awkward. Boom. Treat them like a little Jesus. And uh, you can extend your friendship and hospitality to them, include them, and introduce them to others in the uh, social network and until the point where they can stand on their own and they feel comfortable. Let's another example. How about a guy driving up fast behind you on 31? Uh, he just got through all the construction and he's really uptight to get moving, but he starts to tailgate you. Remember, think, boom, he's a little Jesus too. Rather than slowing down to just stick it to him, you keep your cool and you just let him pass. You use patience and kindness and he didn't even know it. Ding, you just earned some treasures in heaven. Fantastic. Uh, or how about one more? Uh, is there a particular sore spot between you or your spouse or a family member where both of you tend to overreact when the issue comes up? Boom. Remember, they are a little Jesus. You can remember to be more patient and listen more and be more kind as you address the issue so that you don't go straight into the yelling and screaming part. You're using self-control. You can de-escalate. You can be a peacemaker, you know, and with that, the Bible says that you're blessed. But anyway, opportunities abound everywhere. Take advantage of them. Raise your awareness of how our lives are really opportunities to show people all the aspects of love that are described in like 1 Corinthians verse 13. And that's big and small issues. But just as a reminder from 1 Corinthians, love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Let's keep going with this a little bit. Furthermore, Second uh, Peter 1 states, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, 
and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's fairly uh, eye-opening to me because it's not like magic to walk in the Spirit. It's not, um, you know, some really hard thing to do. And, and here in Second uh, Peter, again, it says, practice these things and you won't be ineffective and you won't be unproductive. To me, that's very encouraging. Now, back to the caveat and the asterisks back at the beginning. Now, I said mostly treat other people mostly like Jesus, because I do want to recognize that there are people out there that are just not people of peace. We just need to avoid them, and they're toxic. You know, even the scripture acknowledges that and teaches us to just kind of move on from them. But for the wide majority of people we meet, we can consider them a little Jesus and have a great opportunity to treat them with respect and love and push the kingdom forward. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for the sobering words uh, from your scripture. We all need to hear them. The truth is very important. And you tell us these things out of love and for our benefit now and into the future. I pray that you'll help us to live in a way that is obedient to you so that we can truly love you and prove it by our loving actions to others. If we have strengths in how we love people and treat people, let us continue to use those gifts to even greater measure. If there are ways that we need to grow in love, please help us identify them so that we can bring them under your Spirit's control. Help us to more consistently treat others as we would treat you. Thank you that Jesus loves us, teaches us, and at times will even warn us about the future. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey everybody, have a great day.